Hey, what's happening, everybody? This is Dennis Terrell of Terrell Knifeworks, and you and I are listening to the Work For It podcast, where the emphasis is on business in the workshop. You can support these guys for as little as $1 a month or $12 a year, and show your support by going to patreon.com forward slash work for it to find out more. $12 a year? That won't even buy two gallons of gasoline here in California. You might as well support these guys like I do so they can help us all work for it. Hey, what's happening, everybody? It's Brian House here for the Work For It podcast. This show and all future shows are sponsored by the beautiful people over at Patreon. If you heard Dennis say that in the beginning of the show, you can join for as little as $12 a year. It's actually $10.80 a year if you pay annually and you get 52 after shows and all that stuff. And we've got 100 plus people over there right now at the time of this recording who support the show. And that's why. It is commercial free. You don't hear any commercials. And that is an awesome thing to do. We're also working on a knife collaboration project over there that's just specific for the patrons. And uh, that's been a really fun project. So that's kind of like bonus stuff that you get uh, if you join up with our Patreon. And then um, also this morning, I was on the phone with Koi Baker from Baker Forge and Tool. We've got an awesome project coming up with them. They are a sponsor of this show. Koi is a friend. And uh, he's a, quite the entrepreneur and business person, and I really love working with him. He has a website, BakerForge.com. They make all different types of steels, pattern-welded steels. And uh, every week, week and a half, something like that, they do a, a steel drop. And if you take, check out any of their social media on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, you'll quickly see that they are masters of their craft, and it's totally worth it. If you use the promo code WFI10 when you check out you get 10% off and you'll you'll quickly realize like for a hundred bucks you can buy this beautiful piece of steel that will take your project to the next level and it's like hey I get 10% off if I use WFI10 and you know that's like 90 bucks for an awesome piece of steel and when you're ready to finish that project go to MaritimeKnifeSupply.com and check out everything they have as far as abrasives and tooling and handle material and steels and all kinds of things that you can use to finish that project. They ship every single day from Canada to the United States, and uh, you can take advantage of that exchange rate. Lawrence is a maker. These guys are all, like Baker Forge and Maritime are all makers, and they are serving us as a community, and it's just really great to support their business uh, through using you know their website and obviously you know shouting them out and sharing their um, sharing their stuff on social media which is what I try to do quite a bit because I believe that together we are stronger if we collaborate and I like to collaborate with good people and they are my good people so anyway guys I think it's I think it's ready we're ready to go I mean we've got TikTok, TikTok, let's go, Brian. I'm ready. You ready yet? Let's do it, baby. Yeah, that's work for it. <laughs> the time is now. Ben has not joined us yet. He may not be able to join us today, but we do have Adam. Coon good morning. Rant. Good morning. Coon, am I saying that right? Coon uh, Rant. Coon Rod. Rod. Coon, Coon Rod. Rod. Yep. From upstate New York, Jimmy Duresta territory. He's up there. About an hour north. About an hour north. He's on the show filling in for Ben. Ben may still join us. 
And Adam's got a bunch of stuff he wants to talk about. Let me just explain why Adam is on the show. He sent me a really great question for the after show. And I thought, that's such a good question. Let's discuss it on the primary show. And then you can come on and help us discuss it because I think it's an important question. And then, you know, that'll kind of fuel the the conversation that we have going on right now. Uh, but really quickly, Brian and Adam, I'll, I'll start with Brian. Give me the elevator pitch as to what's going on in your workshop and in your life right now. It's been Chopper Challenge Central over here. It's been a really great, you know, time experiencing like all, all of these collaborations, these mass collaborations that Dennis Tyrell starts off. They're always super fun and it's always like a huge spotlight that turns on to me. And, you know, I, I appreciate the hell out of being allowed to be a part of it. But I released my Chopper Challenge video and it's been a hell of a lot of fun. I was so worried that these things were not going to work. <laughs> and like, you know, how how embarrassing would it be if I go to test these knives and I'm really hyping it up and, you know, we're building the video all the way through and then all of a sudden they both break or something or they both but just see, that's a story fall too. flat. <laughs> if, you, if they did, if one of them broke or both of them broke, that would be part of the story too. I mean, you know, right. I watched your video and it's really good, fast-paced, it's easy to watch. The the test, I thought I was going to really just like the making portion of it, but really the testing part was my favorite. The music that Kyle picked when you're <laughs> bending, you've got, the, okay, let me give you guys a quick visual. So Brian's got the knife strapped into a huge piece of rebar uh-huh. that has is like wire, not wire tied, but like uh, hose clamped onto the mm-hmm. handle. And he's doing the ABS Master Smith bend test, which is, you know, you journeyman have to Smith, bend the, but, you know. the journeyman Smith, but you're bending this knife in, in 90 degrees, right? And right. no joke, I'm thinking to myself, like, how is this even possible, right? It, you're doing, because <laughs> I, and I work with this stuff. I, I, you would think that I would know, like, oh, it's probably okay. It'll probably work. I'm thinking, dude, this thing is going to freaking snap. Like, you know, and then the handle, what, I'm not going to give too much away, but a piece of your handle pops a little bit. And oh, I went, my oh, shit. Oh, no. It's going it's to gonna go. I thought for sure there was going to be like shreds of like steel flying into a wall. And meanwhile, Kyle, when he's editing this video, there's like this like ding, 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 like very cinematic Swell. music yeah. going on in the background. And I'm like, I'm like watching a fucking movie here. This is so good. And uh, but anyway, long story short, I love the video. Thank you. I appreciate that. And it was totally like a last minute throw it together because Kyle actually was while while he was trying to, you know, the last little bit of filming and the editing, he was actually finishing his master's program. So, (laughs) you know, imagine like hell week for, you know, you know, your finals for college, but like ramped up times 10 and then also trying to do this. So it's just, you know, it was really crazy. It was a lot of fun and it all worked out. And yeah, I'm it. when I finally sat down and watched it for the first time finished, it really like it was a sense of accomplishment and that felt super nice. So, yeah, you should, yeah, that's you should that's been kind of my it. week this week is, you know, doing the, you know, watching the all of the different chopper challenge videos and really enjoying that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've been out in the workshop doing work and, uh, as well, but that's been like my big thing for this week. So Adam, what's going on in your workshop? Uh, actually, I had to close my books. Um, 
I don't get that many orders. I'm trying to wrap up a couple projects, but uh, we found out that we can buy my grandparents' place from their estate. And uh, nice. hopefully we're going to be moving up there soon. Um, my hot shop is up there now where I basically do a lot of my foraging. And then I bring it home to do all the finish work. But we're going to uh, be moving up there and it's going to take a little bit. And I'm excited. So my, uh, my grandfather built the house back in the 50s. Um, like they lived in the basement for like three to four years while they milled the land, uh, milled the lumber from the land, waited for it to dry and built the house. So, yeah, it it means, yeah, it comes with 60 acres. So it it just means a lot to me to be up there. So, and then also you're working on the land that your father put together and it's, that's, that's got a feel. Yeah. My grandfather. Yeah. Right. Excuse me. Your grandfather. Yes. That's the, the sense of like personal heritage just has to be really mm-hmm. strong there yeah he was born on that property and Whoa. died on that property so wow that's so so it, it goes back a ways congratulations it, man thank you it reminds me a little bit about ira housework my cousin ira um he lives on the estate like the the ranch i guess it is uh, that his great-grandfather started which was my great-grandfather's brother and they and they still live there, you know, and there it's all that history in one place. And, you know, man, like my life is not like that at all. And my parents moved around a lot and stuff. So um, and then when they when I moved to Florida, this is like the most permanent place I've been in a long time. But Florida is so young, you know, this state, there's not a lot of um, history here, especially the coastal regions. It's like. You know, ever you know, all the houses are newer. You know, within the last like 30, 40 years, so there's just not that history, and it must feel very surreal. And almost there must be like a little bit of a like a romance to it, like a like you get inspired by uh, being around all these things, or even just walking around. Because like, don't you ever get that feeling like whenever you go to a country like um, like that's tons of history behind it? You're like, people are wandering around here, you know. 10,000 years ago doing shit, mm-hmm. you know, like you think about that and then it fuels the creativity inside of mm. you. Do you ever get that feeling? Uh, sometimes actually I get it more when I watch my kids up there. So, oh. cause we live in the city limits now, so there's really not much time to run around or room. But when we go up there, my son's like, all right, I'm going to go for a walk. And he's gone for hours. And my, uh, my oldest care, the same thing disappear into the woods and do things and like i remember that when i was a kid yeah you know being free and unplugged so not a lot of that going on anymore Mm -hmm. well cool yeah right on well i in this week in the shop uh brent and i are preparing for blade show Uh, i'm helping him as little as i can or as much as i can with as little as you know time but the uh, he makes all the knives i'm just i've offered my help to brent because um you know i can tell when he gets a little like stressed out about stuff because i'm around him all the time and i'm like hey what's going on he's like i just feel like i can't get all this done before blade show and i'm like hey man i'm an extra set of hands like delegate you know give me something to do so hold um, on, the the roles reverse. Normally, you're telling Brent what to do. Now Brent is telling you what to do. That's, that's the be beauty. <laughs> that's the beauty of this situation is because it doesn't feel like Brent works for me. He works with me, and vice mm. versa. So the uh, you know any 
anybody that's ever worked with me will tell you that, okay, like sometimes I can be very pushy and I really want something done right now. And I will be very forward about that. But, the but for the most part where I'm just like, Hey, these are our priorities for the week. Let's try to accomplish these goals and you know, whatever else. When I saw Brent, you know, stressing about blade show, I'm like, man, give me something to do. Like I can buff handles. I can put handles on, I can etch, I can, you know, sandblast, whatever you want me to do. Um, and then he handed me a box of knives. I don't know how many are in, in there. It's probably like 25 knives. And he's like, can you sharpen these for me? And I was like, okay. <laughs> so that's a lot of, that's a lot of knives to sharpen. And I'm, you know, I'm a little out of practice. So, uh, so I grabbed my, my little TS prof and I went at it. And, and bl- by the way, these are knives that don't have edges on them. They're just primary, you know, they're heat treated magna cut and some are three V, but the majority of them are magna cut and, they don't have so they're blunt you know and i have to take them down and get the edge on them and everything else so and magna cut is tough shit like it is oh, hard mm-hmm. hard 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 now i hate to i hate to interrupt HRC. i hate to interrupt but you said etch and that just reminded me that i have like three knives in gator piss right now that i was going to take out before the show and i totally <laughs> forgot so i'll be well, right back i need to go get those knives out of the shop give me a second i'll see if i can fill some time without you <laughs> so sorry guys yeah, no problem. So, yeah, and we are using Gator Piss from Baker Forge uh, to etch these knives. And believe it or not, Magna Cut and 3V etch really beautifully in Gator Piss. It's an awesome etchant. You can get it from ba- BakerForge.com. I'm sure everyone's seen it. It's it's definitely worth it. If you're messing around with ferric chloride and trying to mix it with vinegar and all this stuff, if people will try this stuff. They've taken all of the guesswork out of it, so... Uh, go get yourself a gallon of Gator Piss from BakerForge.com. And make sure you follow Gator.Piss on. <laughs> I love <laughs> I that. Love I know. On Instagram. <laughs> I've got but, a gallon uh, of it. Uh, yeah. It, have you used it at all? I did. And wow, what a game changer that is. It, it is so. a game changer because, you know, we put it in a clear jug so you can see through mm-hmm. and see what it's doing. And over time, it turns green. Like when you first pour it in, it's like a yellowish color. It looks like piss, and uh, and then it starts to turn in like a, more of a green, like a pickle green kind of color. Mm-hmm. And it, man, it's just really cool to watch the process. And Magna Cut etches really quickly. You do have to follow the instructions. You know, on the back of the bottle, there is a label on the back that has all these things on it called words and you have to read them in sentences and then do what it says because if you don't you're gonna you'll be right back to square one like you were with Farrick where right Coy and the guys they did all this research and development on this stuff so they know the proper steps and and to give you a frame of reference like we ran out of soap in the shop so we were just using acetone and brake clean and then we were getting spots on the blades and I'm like, what the hell? You know, and it's like, and then Brent's like, I think it's because of the soap. I'm going to, you know, go out and get some Dawn. And then we went and got Dawn, even after they were sandblasted. If that gives mm-hmm. you any frame of reference, sandblasted blades clean with brake clean. They still had little tiny bits of oil on them. And I don't know if that came from the air compressor, possibly like the air compressors feeding oil into the system and it sprayed out onto the blades or whatever it is. So it's really important that you clean them with soap and water and then you use brake clean or acetone. And then, you're, man, you're right as rain. And then you're ready to etch. And it, the, that stuff is muy bueno, I'm, I got to tell mm-hmm. you. So, 
But uh, Adam, all right. So let me just read this question that you sent me, um, uh, and then we'll start on this process of discussing this. So he says that you say, and he's referring to me, is that we are in a fourth industrial revolution with all the advances in CNC and water jets are all now that they can be all now desktop and very affordable. What do you think will be the next tool that will be available to the maker? And that I think is a really good question. Mm-hmm. Like what's coming next? What is next? Uh, and I put a lot of thought into this and we actually already recorded the show once, but we have to re-record mm-hmm. it because we had a technical issue. But the the first time around, I, I think the overarching theme of what we were talking about was really the the concept of sharing ideas and being able to. I love the idea that it's like that patron after show thing where I decided on patron, I'm going to make a knife. And then I send out the STL files, the fusion files, a PDF drawing. So like every level of maker can work with this idea right mm-hmm. you don't have to have a computer if you don't want to you can download it from your phone and print the pdf one-to-one and make it by hand or you can download the fusion file and you can make it on a cnc or you can 3d print it whatever it might be and then watching the patrons and what they're doing with it you know like will from maine um spruce hill studios he's very good with cad and he you know he already made like a mount for it he 3d printed it he changed up some beveling some chamfering and it was rapid prototyping of an idea amongst a hundred plus people almost instantaneously and we were all doing it because we enjoyed doing it and at the end of it mm-hmm. we're gonna have a product that we'll be able to sell to I me love how- the idea is the is the next thing is like being able to enjoy sharing amongst others and putting forth the you know using different tools and different layers of tools you don't need a hundred thousand dollar cnc ben's bites 3d printed it and created a a little mount so he could put a razor blade in the end of it i mean it's just stuff like that you don't see uh i think that's just like killer man that we can do that i really love oh sorry go ahead adam no brian house do you feel proud or more i don't want to say upset when people take your product such as those those files and do more with them or change them up a little bit or you know yeah that's a good question i i feel proud Mm -hmm. like to me uh, if, if I come up with a concept, it really depends on the context of who's doing it. Like I have had people steal my ideas mm-hmm. and replicate them and claim them as their own. And initially I got like really upset about that. And it was like part, it was really tough on me. And I, but I learned later like to let it go and just, you know, this is part of what we are. We're not, there's hardly any original ideas out there anymore. And, and that's mm-hmm. okay. But when we are doing it in the context of like, we're doing it with the patrons, I feel yeah pride it's like oh dude it's so cool to see what these guys are doing with it because uh when we started the revolution project it was all collaboration based i had the idea and i wanted to create it and then i gave those ideas out like i put them out into the world and then i got all this feedback and i was like well we're so much better if we collaborate you know Mm -hmm. because the whole idea between two heads better than one that whole thing 
when we start collaborating and this requires some some softening of the one's ego in order to do this and the older you get hopefully the the lesser your ego is the whole point of uh i think wisdom is like destroying the ego or at least trying to get rid of most of it you have to let that go you have to say to yourself like look my ideas are not the best i have maybe i'm good at facilitating ideas or being a catalyst for change or catalyst for ideas but will from maine made it better and that's okay it's all right and it's and then we come together and and like we're gonna put our stamp on this thing and it's gonna be a house-made product but it's gonna be house-made help from patrons help from you know everybody gets the credit and it and that right there is the point i think we need to walk away with is that you know your ideas unless of course you're you're creating something that you want to solely be the creator of and have 100% control over. I know that feeling too. But in this regard, I think it from a creative and we're all learning from each other. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. other part of this. Oh, absolutely. We're all learning how to how to work together. So I think the big thing is when people then take that design and then start selling it on their own stuff, you know, I I've seen a couple I've seen a couple and you know, a big one right now is, you know, Matt Gentry did that build along about what a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a couple people still like sell that design. Like they're making them to order. And it's 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 yeah. kinda it's kinda in that middle area where it's like, yes, you know, you're you've made slight changes, but like the base of the thing is this. And collaboration is good and I love collaboration. I love how this this um scalpel is coming together. And it's gonna be so badass when we're done. But, you know, if someone then took that scalpel design and decided to start hawking it on their website, you know, maybe that would ruffle some feathers. It could. I think the uh, there was a great episode, by the way, of the Edge and Flow podcast with Lucas Burnley and TJ Schwartz. And they're talking about uh, the episode is called Clone Wars because those guys get copied all the time. And like they even get down to the point where like TJ's like I walk into a gas station and I see a knife in a case that's like five dollars and it's my design, you know. Oh, geez. Oh, that's and, and yeah, and but he's come to terms with it. He's like, look, is this guy taking any money out of my pocket by selling that knife there? He's like, no. probably not. So you have to ask yourself the same question. You know, the Gentry build along is that taking money out of Matt's pocket? You know, and I don't think so. I, that's my take on it. Does it bother Matt? Probably a little bit. But I think, you know, Matt knew that going in. Like, if he's going to share his profiles and be open with it and stuff, there's going to be theft. Hey, look, are you leading or are you following? That's the question. And where do you put yourself? I know that I'm leading. I know Matt's leading. I and I and I feel like if 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 these people want to come in and swoop in and do the whole cash grab thing, the smash and grab that I always talk about. I really have to tune that out. I and, and the more eyes I get on my work, the more replication is occurring. And I'm just like, you know what? I dude, I got so upset at a couple of things. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> going to say what it is, but I was just like, I had maybe had a couple of drinks and I was like, fuck these. Pe-. It was like right after I came out with the forge project and I was like, somebody replicated it. And I was just so angry. And then I'm like, all right, all right, all right. I got to remember where I am and who I am and it's okay. And, and uh, but I, I think with every project, there's that initial like they're not going to steal this one. This one, they're not going to replicate this one. 
And then it was like, dude, it was almost felt like three days after I released it, somebody freaking started selling them. And I was like, uh, assholes. Oh, oh my God. Boy. And yeah, but anyway. So speaking know, about I've future, somewhat to term. Speaking of about leading and future and, you know, constantly changing and stuff like that. Adam, what was that great question that you asked? Well, well I already, we, we already read about it. Already? Oh, damn it. <laughs> Sorry. I was. I was playing with the gator piss. I'm sorry, guys. That's all right. That's all right. Yeah, we we kind of started talking about the ideas and what's next in in the idea of being able to share and collaborate. That's how that kind of ended up there. And gotcha. I I'm curious what you guys think. Like, what's next as far as you know? Tech. You could either be technology or it could be a concept. What do you guys think, Adam? I'll let you go first. Um. Yeah. Uh. I think there's a couple things. Um. A lot of stuff coming out now with the like uh cnc machines um i've only seen a couple but i think you're going to see a lot more like four axis or five axis cnc machines out there you know because a lot of these companies got the rotaries now well i think you need to put them two together and do like a five axis uh cnc machine i also would yeah. like to see a uh like a a more available edm machine those that electrical oh, i forgot what the actual term for it was but is that they cut steel with wire so all electrical discharge machining so they can do extremely fine work with the uh, edms mm. yeah I, and i think that paired up with the uh, metal 3d printing from a right. technology side is going to change the game for uh, as more of these technologies become readily available uh, and the barrier for entry gets lower and lower. Um, you know, have you guys ever seen the, the, how they do that? That's powdered metal. And then they solidify it layer by layer with laser mm -hmm. beams. It's like pure magic. Like they're it's like they're freaking creating, lasers, man. It's like freaking <laughs> lasers, man. Sharks and freaking laser beams. <laughs> It is that way because, like, I'm watching a video on YouTube, and this video was old. It was, like, five years old. And I'm watching a guy using, and it's a machine made by Hewlett Packard. And it's this powdered metal that's laying on a table and inside of an argon-filled chamber. And they are lasering it. And at the end, they have a very, um, like, they, they're making a turbo, I think, for a car. Mm. Like a turbo inlet. And it was something that would normally have to be cast out of aluminum. And they were making it in this machine, and it was relatively quick. And it was from a, they were using it from a prototyping standpoint. But think about this when you make something that has to be cast, you know, you have to design it, then it has to be made into an actual solid, then a mold has to be created. And, you know, that amount of time that all of those steps take is now eliminated, it's no mm -hmm. longer there. So you have rapid ideas being funneled and changed quickly. And I think more of that technology gets into the hands of some of these creative makers that it's like, Oh, game on. I mean, we're just going to get, we're going to keep moving forward and forward and forward. Now, one of the things I've noticed and because I've been in the market looking for like a one finity type CNC device that'll cut like non-ferrous materials. I've noticed how far that technology has come in the last two to three years because I started looking a couple years ago and then got away from it, never did anything. And now I'm looking at the market going, the prices have dropped and the amount of 
things that these devices can do has like quadrupled. Mm-hmm. The software is better. The interface is better. It's and it's changing how I think we're seeing people make things. I don't know where that's going to take us. I just know that it's freeing up a whole lot of people from having to work in a cubicle. Mm. Also, I like seeing that a lot of these makers are that are coming out are not like classically college educated. Yeah, they might have a degree in something else, but they're just their mind works as an engineer without that degree and is able to make and produce and change and, you know, all these ideas. Mm. Yes. Here's my take on the whole question. And, you know, basically the, the, the crux of the question is where do you see things going to the future? Am I right? Yeah. And it can, it doesn't have to be technology. I mean, it could be, how we utilize it or, you know, what, what is it, how is it going to affect the maker community here's, know, as things progress? Here's my thought process. So of course I'm a little bit less future oriented. I'm still not quite 30 years old. You know, my, my shop is still, I'm still tooling up in my shop. So my thought process is, you know, how is it that things are going to progress in my personal shop. And the thing that I'm really focused on is how is it that you start from raw materials and get to the the end product as quickly as possible? And the thing that I'm really seeing that is getting me excited is all of these these tools, like for instance, the true tilt. The big, the big thing about knives is how do you get those bevels in professionally square, all that. And you know, this true tilt makes it so that it make it is so quick and easy or, you know, another problem that I, that has been kind of fixed is max Maximus knives is max grip, you know, getting a hot stamp square, you know, perfect every single time, you know, that is a difficult thing and it takes a lot of time to practice that. And, um, you know, it, that all these, these tools that help you do things easier and quicker and more efficient, that's where I'm seeing a lot of uh, progress being made in knife making. And the more people that start thinking about those, like if you think of a problem within your community and find a way to fix it, that is huge. And you can start, a pr- of course, my cat just jumped up here. So he's like <laughs> jump walking. Oh my goodness. Well, <laughs> literally I was right in the middle of that. And my cat just started playing with the microphone wires. I'm so sorry about that. That's but anyways. Right. I, I, I think you're on to something there about how we're I'll, I'll let you finish your statement. Go ahead and finish it. So I what I'm really excited about is all of these little things that are problems in the community that the community is starting to think about. And people are going to come out with the first version of it. And then there's going to be iterations and how it gets better and better and better. And uh, yeah, I'm just super excited to see where like it, it's finding those efficiencies and finding the tools that help you get to that final project quicker. And I, I'm just falling in love with those ideas. I think what you're, what you're trying to say is, is that now we are, you say you have an idea and you want to come up with this idea and then turn it, turn your garage or your workshop, small workshop into a manufacturing facility because of this new, newer technology that's more readily available you can do that. You right. can start these little, it, it used to be. And like, while you were a young man and I was in my twenties, you know, it, it, we didn't do that. 
because it wasn't there wasn't this technology and all, everything was being made overseas, right? Right. Why would you bother, you know, doing anything when you can have somebody in China make it and make it cheaper, you know? And 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 what we're learning now and what we learned post-COVID was or during COVID was you know, that was a risky endeavor and it wasn't a good thing to have all of our manufacturing in one place. And, you know, our political concepts are different. And, you know, there's a lot of things that are happening there, plus the working conditions for those people. You know, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of things that might not be the best thing for humanity coming out of that type of situation. And I say this in the I said this in the past, but it's you know, if you look at the maker community and the economy that's around it, it's a billion dollar industry for a reason, because there is demand there. Um, Josh Smith of Montana Knife Company is a classic example of this. He's making knives, uh, they're production level knives, and he's doing it all out of his shop in Montana. And if you look at the quality of that work, it's fantastic. He's got his process down. He's a master smith. Um, and he has a team of people who he's trained and, you know, he has a lot of really great concepts, lean manufacturing, that whole thing. And every single one of his drops sells out like in an hour or mm. two. Yeah. And, he, you know, repeatedly he has said we are drastically underestimating the demand and the market for this type of thing. And he's like, I don't know. He's like, I just you would think I would learn, but I'm not learning. You know, they're, they're dropping, you know, a couple hundred knives or 500 knives at a time. They're sold out in a couple of hours every time. That shows me that overall he I mean, of course, he's doing a fantastic job in regards to his marketing campaigns and social media. And obviously the product is top notch. But look at the consumer the demand for those products their people are willing to pay for his handmade well it may not be handmade but it's it's you know made by him and his team stuff that is right. being made here in the US you know and i think that that is such an important thing to take away because we've reached this level now where a guy like Josh because i followed Josh for the last 6 7 years and you know even 3 years ago you know, he didn't have the shop he's in. He didn't have the machines he has. He, you know, the guy has made rapid exponential growth over time. And it's because the consumer, the market, is allowing for that. They're voting with their dollars. And it's the same with us at Housemate. He's way beyond what we are. But, you know, it's like people are voting with their dollars saying, I don't want to buy junk anymore. I want to buy from you guys. And I love your business concept. I love your model. I love the work you're doing. You're putting out excellent stuff. And I'm willing to pay a little bit more for it because of that. I want that. And I think we didn't get there by not having access to this stuff. We had to have access to it. And, and social media is a big, important part of that. You know, being able to show off what we're doing and then have all these people go, ooh, ah, I want that. And then be able to click something in Instagram from your feed and buy something. In, in like five years ago, that was not possible. Mm. Here's let me throw a little bit of a crowbar into your your idea here. So with with social media being a big aspect, um, you know, me personally, when I post to Facebook and all of you know Instagram, Facebook, Instagram's okay at this point. I I get decent reach on Instagram, but Facebook, I'll I mean, it will maybe be seen by twenty five people, 
And I don't know if I, you know, posted the wrong thing at the wrong time and I'm on, I'm on some sort of a you know, watch list or something. But that's where I'm, I'm really worried about the knife making community being so invested in social media when all of a sudden we can be choked out of, out of everything because all of a sudden, you know, that's a weapon that's dangerous and we don't want to show that to on X platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, if you live in fear and you let it, yeah, that's rule true. You, that's you true. Know, that's true. I, 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 you know, um, uh, Richard Beck got his YouTube channel totally ganked from him. Like he got his Gmail account hacked and everything else. And it was terrible. When I was watching it unfold, I'm like, Oh my God, that's awful. Cause you know, that's like my worst nightmare. And it made me do a security check and health check on all my stuff. I went through and changed all my passwords and everything. Mm. Luckily though, he got his, his page back, you know, he got everything back. And I think, man, like that's a, that's a wake up call for us. But like, I, I think in t- terms of like TikTok and stuff, like I don't put a lot of energy into it because I did my research. You know, I look at like the, the analytics and I think, you know, my customers are not really hanging out on TikTok. It's fun. I like it. It's an entertaining, but you know, at the end of the day, my customers are hanging out on Facebook and Instagram. Unfortunately, they're owned by the same company, which is the reason why I got meta verified. It was like, you know, people like you're paying that $15 a month for that blue check or whatever. I'm like, yeah, because I get I get a chance to call somebody if something goes wrong. And believe me when I tell you, if I get a community strike against me, that blue check gives me a little bit of negotiating power with Instagram. So, you know, little things like that, I think that can, you know, can ease uh, some of that concern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And it's, you know, the, what is it, like $15 a month? It seems like a lot when you're signing up, but then you realize, oh, shit, if one thing goes wrong, it's paid for itself a thousand times over. You got it. Yep, yeah. that's right. Uh, one, one thing I've been thinking of, too, is, like, I think people just need to make. People need to get themselves out there. You don't have to sell something to be quote-unquote a maker you don't have to sell knives you don't have to sell uh, grinders if you like writing poetry make a poem if you like baking go ahead go out there and bake um if my oldest care loves to make costumes and is very into cosplay they made uh, a set of wings for their last costume that articulated and she's and they're 16 you know I, i think kids people in general just need to get out there and make i don't know if you guys said it on here but like people that are physical normal jobs need to go home and relax their bodies but when people do stuff like behind a computer and stuff like that they need to go home and physically do something yeah mm. so yeah, that was us we talk about that. yeah that was joe a couple rogan months ago talked, right yeah yeah joe rogan talked about this i saw it on a reel where he was saying, you know, I think a lot of these problems with people and their anxiety, it comes from them not using their energy properly, you know? Mm. And mm-hmm. it's like, we have all these people who are not moving around much. They're sedentary, right? And then in order to make themselves feel better, they eat trash food. And then that makes them feel worse. And then, you know, it's a cyclical negative downward spiral because they're not maintaining their mind through their body essentially and i'm not saying go out and run a marathon or prepare for one but i'm on my feet we have one chair in our entire we have two chairs in our entire building one in each warehouse 
and they're very rarely ever sat in. Like I sit in it when I'm working on my computer, which is pretty rare. <laughs> and uh, when I do this podcast, I sit. And, That's because and, you electrified them. <laughs> yeah, well, no, and it's by choice. Nobody sits down, and and they're all because these are all people that came from industries that sat all day, and mm-hmm. they don't want to do it anymore because it's terrible for you. Mm. And and on top of that, you know, when you're using your body to work, I, it's funny because I look at these CrossFit. We have a CrossFit gym right across the street from us, and there's always people outside in the summertime in Florida, which is like just brutal heat here. And they're running up and down the space in front of my shop, right? And I'm laughing most of the time because I'm like, if you just have a job like I have, you work out all day. You literally Mm. are moving and twisting and your body is doing those things. But a majority of these people, when they show up to do the CrossFit, they're showing up in suit and ties. And they're going in there, they're changing into Mm -hmm. their gym uniforms, and then they're doing their thing, and then they go back. Not that that's a bad path. If that's your choice, that's fine. It's just that... If you're having anxiety issues, if you're having trouble processing, you're not your mind is not at peak, it's probably something to do with how much you're moving. If you can continuously move or at least get some exercise in every day, Brian does a ton of forging in his shop, and that's heavy work. I mean, that is a lot of work. I mean, let me um, tell you, chopping those two-by-fours. <laughs> dude, I was, I was like thinking to myself, like, that would make me so winded. Like, when yeah. you were banging on that knife down, it was like, holy shit, dude, that is a lot of work. And not I, only that, you're also forging the steel down. You know, hot steel, you're working with that. And right. you have ha- heavy hammer, a pound or two hammer, and it's like... Three pound. That to me, yeah. It was a Hell three yeah. pound. Yeah. Gotta go for it, man. Yeah. No, and no that's around. exercise. I bet yeah. you you feel good at the end of the day, don't you? Like, you, that physical activity makes you feel good, right? You know, I'm, it's almost stereo, like I'm going through the stereotypical man's, you know, arch here where, you know, you're, you're young, when you're young, you're fit and healthy. You go through high school, you're doing sports, you're in the best shape of your life. After high school, you get the freshman 15 or for me, like freshman 50. Now I'm, you know, pushing, you know, I'm like 290 now. I'm way too heavy. And now I'm really starting to think like, okay, let's let's start turning this thing around. Let's really get back into shape. And it it just so happens I'm coming up on 30. And it's like everybody says, well, you know, 20s I got super fat, and then 30s I slim back down, and then you know, I feel like I'm just starting, like I'm cresting that hill, and all of a sudden I'm gonna start, you know, be, being a little bit better about my health. And that's yeah. it's it's super important, you know, especially right now, like, and chopping that wood was kind of an eye-opener like oh my god that was so much more work and i was so much more tired at the end of this than i should have been and Mm. you know it's it's kind of opened my eyes and i've always kind of thought like okay it's it's really time to start eating better start time to work out whatever and that was like the eye-opening like holy shit it's time it truly is time yeah i've I've watched a couple of those js tests and it that is brutal those there was two by four chops and then do a so, two in a row. <laughs> yeah. but uh, I don't know how you did it. I so, honestly don't, man. That was crazy. Yeah. So I'm 42, and uh, three years ago, I was I had actually I had gastric bypass. Mm. I lost. I was 355 at my heaviest, and now I'm down to 230s, and mm-hmm. I feel so much better. So. I think, I mean, honestly, the gastric bypass was the second best decision I've ever done in my life. Um, I had to, like, kind of learn how to eat again, but 
I, I it was the best thing I ever did because with my job, I can't do it big. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and you know that's kind of the thing is I have to have realistic expectations. I'm not looking to get back down to 189 my wrestling weight in high school. You know, there's no there's no shot I'm <laughs> I'm getting back to that anytime soon. You know, I really should be looking at okay, let's get back to 250. Let's get back to Small 240. Yeah, you know, let's let's just go back step at a time and get back down to a weight that feels more comfortable. Man, what the hell are we talking about my health? Well, <laughs> let's get out of this. All right. <laughs> we do need to shift a little bit away from the health stuff, but it is Sorry, important, guys. I think, because I we have people who talk uh, about us or around us in our sphere that that talk a lot about mental health. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't apply the same concept to their physical health and know that it ties into their mental health. So, you know, if you, if you can, you know, a lot of people, it's weird, you know, they're, they're fine physically, but mentally there's something up. Well, maybe there is something wrong physically and you need to up your exercise or whatever. But I just know that we encourage that, that, uh, you know, take those concepts and open your mind to those things because I think it's important. And also I love the fact that you're not sitting at a computer all damn day anymore. A lot of these people are breaking free from that world and they're being makers in their garages and they're using the technology. Yeah. Well, you have to, right? I mean, think about, I worked in front of a computer for man, 20 years of my career and it was, I was so unhealthy. I just really felt terrible and my mental health struggled Mm -hmm. because of it, you know? Mm. So I want to bring up one tool that I have that's a game changer in our shop. I just received the Bamboo P1P 3D printer, and it's five times as fast as my longer printers. I love my longer printers. They're like old reliables. You know, they're big, too. So, like, I can print, like, a lot bit more stuff on one uh, uh, surface. But this tool is unfucking believable how fast this thing processes and works and prototype stuff. So like my machine shop guy was in here and he was like, Oh, Hey, can I send you a couple things? I need to see like sizing of something like he's creating something. And I was like, sure. And in three hours we had the part and wow. he got to hold it in his hand and feel it. And he's like, yeah, I think it needs to be a little bigger and longer, like all of that. So I realized real quickly, I was like, I want to kind of do some of this stuff and we're selling a lot of 3d printed stuff now on Housemade. So, um, and that's all like useful stuff that, you know, for the forge and whatever else. And I bought three more. I was like, you know what? These things are so great. I want to have a farm of these running. Bamboo has done an excellent job of allowing you to network them. They have like cameras. You can get a camera in there for like 30 bucks. You can add a camera. It's like stupid. Like, why wouldn't you do it? And, um, a light and all this stuff. And I'm telling you right now that 3d printer that technology that they're leveraging in this 3D printer is going to step up 3D printing to another level. Here's the thing. So if it's five times faster, that means you need one-fifth of the printers to put out the same amount of product. Yep. Here's here's the thing. It's it's the same it's the same problem as, you know, there's there's this theory about, you know, if you go to try to do really long interstellar travel. It, by the time you start off, they'll be inventing spaceships that are faster and faster and faster that will then pass you as you're trying to get to the same spot, you know? Like, let's say you're trying to get to another planet. So this is this is the same kind of problem that you're going to start running into with 3D printing. Interesting. Where it's like, I've it's never five, heard that. It's five before. times 
oh yeah do do you kind of understand that concept yeah, like I do. if you're trying to get it yeah exactly so with the 3d printing when's the best time to invest because this year it's five times faster than what it was before couple years yeah. down the road it's going to be 10 times faster than that thing when you throw it, the million dollars worth of 3d printers at it you know i would if say always, the, oh, the time is now sorry adam the, the time is now don't wait i think that it's important that you learn it you know that you get your feet wet i wish i had uh bought in five ten years ago and learned this technology it you know we i can't we can't keep the the funnels in stock from the forge project we print like uh, six a day, and we can't keep up with the people who are buying them. Wow. You know, it's, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's pretty crazy. Wow. Huh. What were you going to say, Adam? I don't remember. Ah, <laughs> shoot. Uh, one thing I would like to see, I think you're, we're going to start seeing the prices of anvils go down. Really? Yeah, because. And why our, is that? I think because the other day I saw, I've been seeing a lot more, uh, uh, cast steel anvils. I saw. Oh, I was watching a YouTube video that they had that cast steel anvil from Harbor Freight, and they had five guys beating on this anvil with eight-pound sledgehammers, and didn't break, didn't deflect. I mean, it had marks in it and stuff like that. But I really hope that the technology like that and able to get stuff like that will bring down the price of anvils. What is it at now? Like, what are people paying now? Like six, uh, seven bucks, and, seven, six, eight dollars a pound. Okay, I've sometimes seen them as ten. Well, yeah. so I can tell you, my um, my hay button anvil I paid for right around six dollars a pound, which was kind of a screaming deal. And then I just did this review on the Vever hundred and ten pound cast steel anvil, and mm-hmm. that's all the way down to two dollars a pound. Right, it's two hundred dollars, not yeah, less than two dollars a pound. Is that in the same class, though? So that's a good question, and it'll really it'll take years of working on it to really, you know, be able to, to tell. But from what I can see, the couple times I forged on it so far, it's it holds up. It has solid rebound, as just as good as rebound as my hay button, and um, you know, it doesn't seem to get as. I mean, of course, it's a new anvil, so there's no marks on it yet, and I've been forging on it, and I haven't put in any marks. Whether that's because you know I'm forging clean, or whether or not I don't know, it's it's kind yeah. of a mystery. But we'll just have to see. What I'm gonna I'm say though, too- if if you're getting into forging, two less than two dollars a pound is damn good for a 110 pound anvil. If you they know, make if good anything, travel anvils too, yeah, yeah. If anything, that Vever anvil will you know eat up some of the market so mm. these things are not being as like in demand but what I, i've noticed is is there's a lot of guys getting into the anvil space they're uh they're pa- partnering up with um foundries right and mm-hmm. they're they're making these anvils and i i didn't fully understand it but they're using 3d printing to create the mold the reverse mold or they're creating the part and then they make a mold out of the out of that 3d printed thing Mm. so they're making it and casting it in that print i think they use the print as a means to create the cast okay that makes sense yeah and it was like a reverse cookie cutter yeah and it's so like it's mostly what i've seen it is the swage blocks and stuff that they're using for that Mm -hmm. they're you know they're like the smaller stuff 
But then I saw a guy have like a big 3D printed anvil that was like two size and he did it so that he could see what the, you know, like have it in his hand, like Mm -hmm. to see what it looked like sitting on a stand and all of that. And he was able to make changes to the design and then 3D print another one. Granted, it probably took forever to 3D print that, but um, I just I just find all of that super interesting that you've got this new technology helping you create old, you know, things that were used thousands of years ago. So right, right. I've seen a Crazy Holland. Stuff. Holland's been putting out some a lot of yes. eagles lately. You know, he yeah, got this Holland. one that's like a German style. It doesn't have a shelf, but it's got a, a round horn on one side and a square one on the other. And if anvils can be sexy, this one is sexy. I think all the yeah. lines and how it flows and so yeah I, I sure. and what'll be in, interesting too is to see what pops up at Blade Show this year yeah. oh, I bet you there'll be more Anvil guys there this year too um, I know Atlas Knife and Tool is always there and he has Anvils there too Adam are you planning on going to Blade Show not this year unfortunately mm. I cannot I want to go next year because I can test out for JS nice. so so yeah well fantastic i'm gonna pull up the uh the patreon and look at the question for well this while week. you're doing that adam do you happen to have a dad joke oh absolutely <laughs> <laughs> um you ready yes if april showers bring may flowers what do may flowers bring what do may flowers bring pilgrims <laughs> oh my god was, all right all right <laughs> it historical. is april i like it nice all right all right so the question of the week is uh is from travis haynes and uh he he's at bird forge um also the creator of pelican paste do it do i do use, the bit use code B cone hey! to receive free shipping something free shipping that's it um, okay so he says I really like the idea of a production knife line it's been a goal of mine since day one and already have an idea and a design I've been holding on to for a while I think it'll do well but like anything else it takes time and research I've been trying for a while now to learn CAD and I would love to have even a benchtop CNC one day what is your favorite resource for learning Fusion 360? I really need someone that does a good job and explains the features and why uh, to use them. And then he has a part two of that. Uh, part two is when researching CNC machines, how do I know it will work well with stainless or carbon steels? Mm. A lot of smaller CNCs seem to advise it cuts metal, quote unquote, but it really just cuts uh, aluminum. So uh, those are all great questions about CNC, and I'm very well versed in the world of CNC, and I have an answer that will uh, definitely fill that in. It's educated, and it's first. It's a first. Uh, what do they call that? It's not anecdotal, really. It's <laughs> like my my experience. His um, answer will shock you. Nine out of ten makers use this trick to learn Fusion 360. It may shock you. Come back this Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. $20 gets you the whole seat, but you only need the edge. edge. (laughs) Well, thanks, guys. Sorry. 
Adam, thanks for hanging out on the show today, buddy. Yeah, I appreciate absolutely. it, man. And uh, if you want to find you on Instagram, how do we do that? Uh, Uncle Sam, uh, Uncle Under, yeah, wow, I can't talk. Uncle underscore Sam underscore Metalworks. All right, we'll go out there and find you. We are on to the after show. Let's do Let's it. Let's do it. Let's do it.